0: Well, tonight I want to invite everyone at the Grove, everyone in the greater Phoenix area to gather at 545 at the New Beginnings Church in Mesa. And we want to gather there with with my friend, Pastor Andre Miller and his church for our churches to come together and worship as one as a statement of solidarity to to worship and to pray for justice. So that's a 545 tonight because right now, as we all are frustrated and angered over the the death of George Floyd... This is our, mo- our moment to come alongside our African-American brothers and sisters and say, you are not in this alone. This is our moment to be in solidarity with them, to say, your trouble is our trouble. Your pain is our pain. This problem of racism, we're going to end it together. We're going to make change together. And so I invite you to do that. Today, I want to talk about the connection between worship and justice. I think it's a critical conversation for us to have right now because I think there's a lot of people that go to church and and have read the Bible, but maybe have missed the connection that the Bible makes between worship and justice. When I say that, I think about what happened a few years ago in Charleston, South Carolina. You know the story well, maybe. Maybe that a young racist goes into a church, the Emanuel AME Church, African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, and he kills nine African-American people who were there to worship. And when you see that happen, when you, when you heard that tragic news, and I thought, how is this ever going to end? How are we going to stop things like this? How are we going to make change in our society, in this world? And then that week, the most interesting things started to happen. I began to hear, began to read that churches across Charleston were canceling their church services that Sunday morning in order to come to the Emanuel AME Church so they could worship as one, worship in solidarity, to worship and say, in your pain, we are there with you. We will make change with you. And in fact, all the way over here in, in Chandler, Arizona, we heard about it. So I called... Paul Gunther in my office, I said, we need to charter a jet. We need to find a 737. We both know pilots. Let's start calling them. We did. We ran out of time and money. We didn't make it. But the most incredible thing happened that Sunday. So many churches canceled their worship services. So many Christians came together in solidarity that Sunday. They couldn't fit them inside the Emmanuel AME church. So they started to fill outside and they worshiped together. And so do you see how something beautiful, something like heaven happened? People of all backgrounds, of all races coming together to worship as one. Do you see why I say there's a connection between our worship and justice? Because you can't worship God and at the same time be silent about issues of injustice. It just doesn't work. And as we read the patterns in the Bible... That the scripture keeps calling us time and time again to connect our worship to justice. So to start our conversation, let me start here. And maybe you haven't thought much about what is justice, but here's some things that I've written down. First of all, Justice is a pursuit of balance, okay? It's when the scales balance. It's helping a society regain its moral equilibrium. To be a person who's for social justice means that you are bothered at the core to your heart, cut to the quick by injustice of every kind. Uh, To be a person of justice means that you do all in your power to stop and end racism and prejudice. To be a person of justice means that you see... When you see poverty, you do all in your power to pull the poorest of the poor up out of their poverty trap. And to be a person of justice means that you treat every person with equal dignity and respect, knowing that every person is made in the image of God, regardless of nationality, race, ethnicity, background, gender. None of that matters. We all worship God as one male or female. So I said when we started that, that the Bible connects our worship to issues of justice. And maybe you've never seen that. Because when we come to worship, we're very good at some things. For example, most of us are very good at, at singing in our worship. And we sing with all kinds of enthusiasm and power and joy. We're very good in our worship at the cerebral, at our teaching, at, at our expository studies. We're very good at that part of our worship. But many people in their worship have never made a connection between their spirituality and worshiping God and justice. So today I want to use our time to kind of take you through Scripture and show you the connections that that the Bible makes. Writers in Scripture and God makes time and time again between our spirituality and our worship and justice. I want to start with the patriarchs, okay? And I want to start with Moses. If we go all the way back to the second book of the Bible, because you'll see time and time again that the patriarchs connect worship with justice. I'll start in Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. We read that God, well, and I'll start here. So Moses is walking through this scalding hot desert, just like things are in Arizona right now. And he sees a bush on fire and he stops and God speaks. Remember this from the bush and he says, take off your shoes. The ground is holy. And of course, the ground is holy because God is present. And this is just my conjecture as well. But I believe that when when God tells Moses, take off your shoes, the ground is holy. It's not just because God is present. But I think God wanted Moses in that moment of worshiping him on his face on the ground to find solidarity with his people who were oppressed, who were still in slavery. In other words, Moses, take off your shoes. It's time to walk with the slaves who are coming out of of captivity. Take off your shoes. It's time to march them to freedom. Moses, take off your shoes because you're not in Pharaoh's palace anymore. Take off your shoes and become one. With my people who right now who are oppressed. And then he says this in in Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. He says, When you go to Pharaoh, say, Pharaoh, set my people free so that they can worship me. Isn't that good? He says, You see how, how God connects freedom and justice with our worship. You see, barefoot, the, the slave, these barefoot slaves, God's saying, give them freedom so that they can worship. In this same uh, theology of liberation, it would extend, for example, to issues of poverty. We try to free people from extreme poverty because how can they worship God? How can their worship be complete if we leave them in their poverty? So that's part of our goal is to pull them out. A theology of liberation leads us, God's people, to free the sick from disease. A theology of liberation leads us to free the immigrant from shame and discrimination. For example, when Pastor Magdalena from Mesa brought busloads with Homeland Security of asylum seekers to our church, We had our gym ready with a big meal, okay? We had this big meal prepared. We'd been working on it all morning. We had dozens of people getting tables set and the food ready. And when they came in, I told Pastor Magdalene, I said, okay, let's get everybody lined up. The food's ready. She said, wait, they want to worship first. And I was like, "What?" she says, we always worship first with the asylum seekers. And so she starts leading them in songs of worship and praise. And then she prays with them. And then we ate after that. My point is, Pastor Magdalena sees the connection between worship and justice or freedom for for people and and their worship. I think a, a right understanding of worshiping God always connects worship to practical issues of justice. Sometimes we miss that. That's why I say our silence in churches, our silence from pastors on issues of injustice and racism, that has to end. We must be a voice for the equal treatment and dignity of all people. So not only do the, prophet, uh, do the, do the patriarchs connect worship and justice, but when you keep reading the Bible, so do the prophets over and over again. So I want to flash forward to Isaiah chapter 58, and we see that the ancient prophets connect worship And justice. And just so you know, when Isaiah is writing, the people of Israel are in Babylonian captivity. They're not free. And this is what God says to them. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. They are busy at worship. and," And by the way, this is from the Message Bible and studying all about me. Do you think this is the kind of fast day or this is the kind of worship I'm after? a day to show off humility, move down. This is the kind of fast I'm, I'm after, to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace and to free the oppressed. That's what God says to the through the prophet Isaiah. And so Isaiah makes this critical connection on behalf of God between authentic worship and justice. We turn over just a few pages in our Bibles. We get to... Uh, the prophet Amos. And Amos has this famous lament, this famous prayer of confession and repentance. And it reads like this. This is Amos 5.21. And God is speaking through Amos. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll down like a river, like a mighty river. God is saying, you're really good at singing songs. You're really good at praying. You're even giving offerings. But he says the same thing he says to Micah in Micah chapter six. He says, I don't care so much about your offerings, which is surprising. I don't care so much about your singing. If, I do not hear you cry out for justice. And so what kind of worship pleases God? It's not just the offerings. It's not religious performance. It's doing those things that he calls us to, to pull people up in their times of oppression and give them the dignity that they deserve and the equal treatment that they deserve in our society, anywhere, everywhere in the world. Worship in the Bible is never just vertical to God. Worship has this horizontal component where where our worship extends to people all around us. So I said the patriarch, patriarchs connected worship to justice. The prophets connect worship to justice. If you read the wisdom books, there's this connection when David writes and Solomon writes between worship and justice. But then you get to the New Testament and Jesus himself begins to connect worship with justice. As a kid growing up, you hear all kinds, I heard all kinds of stories about Jesus. Of course, we heard the one about walking on the water. We all heard the one about the short man, the the short tax accountant who's in the trees and he gets him down to have lunch. We read about Jesus feeding 5,000. We hear all those stories. But maybe one of the most important Jesus stories that people skip over is in Luke chapter 4. It's a story about his very first sermon And he had to have been nervous because anyone who's preached or spoken publicly, the first time is always the scariest time. And here's what he does. He walks into this synagogue in Nazareth and he dramatically picks up a scroll and he unrolls it. And then he starts to read these words. He says, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God has anointed me to set the oppressed free. And he talks about the prisoners, but he says of all the things that I've come to do, he said it's to care for the hungry, care for the sick, to free the prisoners and set the oppressed free. That was Jesus's first sermon. From the very beginning of his ministry, he connects worship with issues of justice, our worship with issues of oppression And over-incarceration, Jesus talks about those things. And so if the Bible, if that's the Bible's narrative, then it must be our story as well too. So all that I've said, it comes to this, that you and I also must be people who in our worship connect our worship and our spirituality to issues of justice. Because it's in our worship, if you think about it, that we find solidarity with the, with the oppressed. Because when we worship, there's people of God worshiping around the world, but many of them are still worshiping in oppression. So our worship must must include words of justice. When we come together and worship, we, we come together as, as one with those who say, I feel like society has its knee on my neck. Or we come together as one with those who say, I feel like I can't breathe right now. When we come together in worship, we come together with our African-American brothers and sisters in this time of crisis. And through our worship, we say, we are with you as one we can make change together as one we can we can change all of this but we have to do it together and so today is the time in my opinion for all of Christ's followers to walk and live in solidarity with every person who feels like they are pushed down to the ground and held down and we must find ways in our own in our own walk every day to end the discrimination, to change the the unjust structures. My point is, in all of this, is that issues of justice are the core of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And when we come together and worship, especially with those who feel that they have been oppressed and who have been oppressed, then our worship even more is powerful and pleasing to God. There's this interesting moment that Billy Graham had years ago. So this is, I'm reaching back to the 19, late 1950s, early 1960s. He was holding these tent crusades all over the country as his ministry just started. And there was a moment when he goes into a tent crusade in the afternoon before the event that night. And he sees that people have strung rope up through this large tent under the canopy. And so he asked one of the ushers, what are the ropes for? And he's told they are to divide the races. And Billy Graham was said, no, not in my not in my worship tent, not in my worship house. And so he himself went and took down the ropes and it led him to say the foot, uh, the the ground at the foot of the cross is level." You get what he's saying? That, that when, you, when we come to Christ, the ground is level. We are all equal. It's for all of God's people to come together as one. And so I ask you to look around in the world that you live in right now. What are the ropes? What are the barriers between People in your society, in my society, in our towns, in our communities, in our cities. And what can you do? What can we do corporately to take those ropes down, to take those barriers down so that God's people can worship as one and can worship free before him as in, in the dignity that he created all people with?